Welcome back to the Hemingway List Podcast for Book 8, Chapter 7, Podcasting to You from My New House. I'm, uh, well, <coughs> the move tonight is the first night I'll be spending in the new house. Actually got the keys yesterday, but wasn't able to, you know, get a bed here. Um, but I feel like I've been moving now for like three days, all included, even though tonight's the first night staying here, and we're still not done. Still got a couple of days of moving to go. My partner and I are moving in together. She has a five-year-old, so now I'm stepdad, which is cool. All living under one house, under one roof, but we're moving two houses into one house. Uh, so it's just a massive undertaking. I am. It's, uh, it's pretty safe to say I'm knackered. Absolutely knackered. Um, and still not finished. <laughs> oh my god, I'm still not finished. My um, This might be the new house, but this is not the new setup. So if you're listening and thinking, oh, it doesn't sound that good. I was hoping when he gets his new setup done, it'll sound good. Um, fear not, this is still the temporary setup, setup in the new house. I haven't got around to putting together my desk yet. But um, that is to come. Um, all right. Anyway, that's enough. sorry. My that was just then. That was my brain just going offline, being like, "Is it bedtime yet?" <laughs> Mid sentence. I don't know how long I just stared for. Was that like three minutes of silence or one second? Couldn't tell you. So tired I am. Anyway, we're all tired. I hate when people complain about being tired, and it's like, come on, mate, we're all bloody tired. What are you? Yeah, you think you're special being tired? Uh-uh. Not in this house, buddy. Um, <coughs> I'm stalling while I load up my page. All right, I've got a bit of a chapter there to read. No problem. Here's the discussion prompts for chapter seven. Natasha went from being very confident about how she would be received to quite the opposite when she was talking to Maya. How do you think Maya felt about her? Is there anything you think Natasha should have done differently? And what did you make of the prince saying he didn't know they were coming? How do you think he was telling the... Oh, sorry. Do you think he was telling the truth or is he playing off his illness? I think he was for sure being facetious, wasn't he? He knew they were coming and I think it was obvious in the way he was speaking that he was kind of... Um, intentionally kind of being dismissive like oh no I didn't even know you were here um, and just being not welcoming you know I think it's a weird thing to come out in a bustle and be like oh hey why are you here oh, look at me I'm not even dressed I didn't even know you were coming I think in that day of like you know this is high society where etiquette and manners and all that is paramount I think that would have been seen as in extremely kind of way out there rude I think, um, because even if he didn't know they were coming, you would get dressed before you go out and greet guests. Um, so I think it was obvious that he was doing that intentionally, like greeting them in a, in a dressing gown, even though he had an excuse ready. It was just, you know, it's just not done. That's my guess. I actually don't know. Car oh, but um, I know that Natasha was pretty offended by it, and I don't think Natasha would be too easily offended, right? So, yeah, 
Karakiga says, I felt really deeply for both Natasha and Maya. For Natasha, I imagined her wondering, what is this family? Is this really who I'll be joining? I bet she is having some doubts. For Maya, she is so downtrodden and her father embarrassing her like that. The true tragedy of her situation must be quite clear to her when compared to the way Natasha is cherished. True, yeah. I mean, I, that's the funny thing. I really like Natasha and I really like Maya. And you want them to get along because they're like, you know, when you get two different friends who don't know each other and then they meet and you hope that they like each other as much as you like both of them. But it doesn't always happen. And then sometimes when it doesn't happen, you can kind of be like, you know what? I can see why you don't like each other. Uh, I can see why you don't get along. Even though I like you both independently. And it was a bit like that for Natasha and Maya. You can almost, I don't know, you can see exactly how this went wrong if you really think about it. And I'm too tired to really think about it, but it made sense last night when I read the chapter. <laughs> um, McCuddleson said, I don't know if it's intentional, but I find it interesting to think about how Natasha hopes the Balkonskis will like her because everyone always likes her. It's somewhat similar to how when Nikolai was at war for the first time, he was sure the French soldiers won't attack him because his mother likes him so much. It's interesting to think about how both Rostov siblings approach conflict in similar ways and how they both get it blown in their faces. Very good observation, McCuddleson. I like that. I hadn't thought of that at all, but um, it is very similar. Um, I feel like y you wish... I, you feel angry at Natasha's dad in this moment for not being like that's it that's his girl right that's his little girl and he's left her to deal with this old grump because he's scared of the old grump but come on like have a have a spine you've got to at least be there for backup for your for your daughter you'd think um and he also wished that andre was there because if andre was there the dad and maya none of them would dare to be anything but on their best behavior for his new fiance you know i really think that old man bolkonski would have behaved much much better if his son was there um so anyway feel bad for natasha i do feel bad for natasha anyway sorry my brain is just like bleh right now you know that bleh you ever have brain go bleh I'm having brain go blood. So let's read chapter 8, and then I'm going to go to bed and probably snore so loud. Chapter 8. <coughs> that evening, the Rostovs went to the opera, for which Maya Dmitrievna had taken a box. Natasha did not want to go, but could not refuse Maya Dmitrievna's kind offer, which was intended expressly for her. When she came ready dressed into the ballroom to await her father and looking in the large mirror, there saw that she was pretty, very pretty. She felt even more sad, but it was a sweet, tender sadness. Oh God, if he were here now, I would not behave as I did then, but differently. I would not be silly and afraid of things. I would simply embrace him, cling to him, and make him look at me with those searching, inquiring eyes with which he has so often looked at me, and then I would make him laugh as he used to laugh. And his eyes, how I see those eyes thought Natasha. And what do his father and sister matter to me? I love him alone. Him. Him. With that face and those eyes. With his smile, manly and yet childlike. No, I had better not think of him. 
not think of him, but forget him, quite forget him, for the present. I can't bear this waiting, I shall cry in a minute. And she turned away from the glass, making an effort not to cry. And how can Sonia love Nicholas so calmly and quietly, and wait so long and so patiently, thought she, looking at Sonia, who also came in quite ready with a fan in her hand. No, she's altogether different. I can't. Natasha at that moment felt so softened and tender that it was not enough for her to love and know she would look beloved. She wanted now at once to embrace the man she loved, to speak and hear from him words of love such as filled her heart. While she sat in the carriage beside her father, pensively watching the lights of the street lamps flickering on the frozen window, she felt still sadder and more in love, and forgot where she was going and with whom. Having fallen into, line of into the line of carriages, the Rostovs' carriage drove up to the theatre, its wheels squeaking over the snow. Natasha and Sonia, holding up their dresses, jumped out quickly. The Count got out, helped by the footman, and passing among men and women who were entering, and the programme sellers, they all three went along the corridor to the first row of boxes. Through the closed doors, the music was already audible. Natasha, your hair, whispered Sonia. An attendant deferentially and quickly slipped before the ladies and opened the door of their box. The music sounded louder, and through the doors rose of brightly lit boxes in which ladies sat with bare arms and shoulders and noisy stalls brilliant with uniforms and glittered before their eyes. A lady entering the box, next box shot a glance of feminine envy at Natasha. The curtain had not yet risen, and the overture was being played. Natasha, smoothing her gown, went in with Sonia and sat down, scanning the brilliant tiers of boxes opposite. A sensation she had not experienced for a long time, that of hundreds of eyes looking at her bare arms and neck, suddenly affected her, both agreeably and disagreeably, and called up a whole crowd of memories, desires and emotions associated with that feeling. The two remarkably pretty girls, Natasha and Sonia, with Count Rostov, who had not been seen in Moscow for a long time, attracted general attention. Moreover, everybody knew vaguely of Natasha's engagement to Prince Andrei, and knew that the Rostovs had lived in the country ever since, and all looked with curiosity at the fiancé, who was making one of the best matches in Russia. Natasha's looks, as everyone told her, had improved in the country, and that evening, thanks to her agitation, she was particularly pretty. She struck those who saw her by her fullness of life and beauty, combined with her indifference to everything about her. Her black eyes looked at the crowd without seeking anyone, and her delicate arm bare and to above the elbow lay on the velvet edge of the box, while evidently unconsciously she opened and closed her hand in time to the music, crumpling her program. Look, there's Alenia, said Sonia, with her mother, isn't she? Dear me, Michael Kirillovich has grown still stouter, remarked the Count. Look at our Anna Mikhailovna. What a headdress she has on. The Karagans, Julie and Boris with them, one can see at once that they are engaged. Drubitskoy has proposed. Oh yes, I heard it today, said Shinshin, coming into the Rostov's box. Natasha looked in the direction in which her father's eyes were turned and, and saw Julie sitting beside her, with her, beside her mother with a happy look on her face and a string of pearls round her thick red neck which Natasha knew was covered with powder. 
Behind them, wearing a smile and leaning over with an ear to Julie's mouth, was Boris's handsome, smoothly brushed head. He looked at the Rostovs from under his brows and said something, smiling to his betrothed. They are talking about us, about me and him, thought Natasha, and he, no doubt, is calming her jealousy, calming her jealousy of me. They needn't trouble themselves, if only they knew how little I am concerned about any of them. Behind them sat Anna Mikhailovna, wearing a green headdress and with a happy look of resignation of the will of God on her face. Their box was pervaded by that atmosphere of an affianced couple which Natasha knew so well and liked so much. She turned away and suddenly remembered all that had been so humiliating in her morning's visit. What right has he not to wish to receive me into his family? Oh, better not think of it. Not till he comes back, she told herself, and began looking at the faces, some strange and some familiar, in the stalls in front, in the very centre, leaning back against the orchestra rail, stood Dolokhov in his Persian dress, his curly hair brushed up into a huge shock. He stood in full view of the audience, well aware that he was attracting everyone's attention, yet as much at ease as though he were in his own room, around him thronged Moscow's most brilliant man, young men, whom he evidently dominated. The Count, laughing, nudged the blushing Sonia, and pointed to her former adorer. "'Do you recognise him?' said he. "'And where has he sprung from?' he asked, turning to Shin-Shin. Didn't he vanish somewhere? <coughs> he did, replied Shinjin. He was in the Caucasus and ran away from there. They say he's been acting as minister to some ruling prince in Persia, where he killed the Shah's brother. Now all the Moscow ladies are mad about him. It's Dolokhov, the Persian, that does it. We never hear a word about Dolokhov is mentioned. They swear by him. They offer him to you as they would a dish of choice sterlet. Dolokhov and Anatoly Karagin have turned all our ladies' heads. A tall, beautiful woman with a mass of plaited hair and much exposed plump white shoulders and neck ran round which she wore a double string of large pearls entered the adjoining box rustling her heavy silk dress and took a long time settling into her place. Natasha involuntarily gazed at that neck, those shoulders and pearls and coiffure and admired the beauty of the shoulders and the pearls. While Natasha was fixing her gaze on her, for the second time, the lady looked round and, meeting the Count's eyes, nodded to him and smiled. She was the Countess Bezukhova, Pierre's wife, and the Count, who knew everyone in society, leaned over and spoke to her. Have you been here long, Countess? he inquired. I'll call, I'll call to kiss your hand. I'm here on business and have brought my girls with me. They say Semenovna acts marvellously. Count Pierre never used to forget us. Is he here? Yes, he meant to look in, answered Helena, and glanced attentively at Natasha. Count Rostov resumed his seat. Handsome, isn't he? He whispered to Natasha. Oh, handsome isn't she? He whispered to Natasha. Wonderful, answered Natasha. She's a woman one could easily fall in love with. Just then the last chords of the overture were heard, and the conductor tapped with his stick. Some latecomers took their seats in the stalls, and the curtain rose. As soon as it rose, everyone in the boxes and stalls became silent, and all the men, young, old, and young, oh, sorry, all the men, old and young, in uniform and evening dress, and all the women with gems on their bare flesh, turned their whole attention with eager curiosity to the stage. Natasha too began to look at it. Alrighty, there we go. That's the chapter for you. Beautifully done. I hope that that uh, sounds okay. We'll soon find out. Thanks for listening.
Say tomorrow.